and good morning. For those who don't know me, my name is Fiona and I'm part of the leadership support here in Stirling Vineyard. A few weeks ago, Hannah launched our new series looking at the book of Ephesians, where we will be unpacking some biblical truths and how we can thrive in the midst of challenges. The reality is we all face adversity in various forms and at different times, whether temporary or prolonged. And for many people, this has been heightened during what has been a significantly tough year. A close friend recently recommended a book to me called Trusting God by Jerry Bridges. And some of you may even have read it. And it says this in the opening chapter. Whatever our circumstance, it contributes to the anxiety and emotional pain we all experience at various times and in varying degrees. Some pain is sudden, traumatic and devastating. Other adversities are chronic, persistent and seemingly designed to wear down our spirits over time. If you've been connecting with us on Instagram, then hopefully you will have seen a new mini-series called Let's Talk About It. And the aim of this series is to open up discussions around the area of mental health. In her introduction to this, Hannah reminded us that the Bible isn't silent around the issue of mental health. And God's heart for us is to live life to the full. But that doesn't mean that there aren't times that are tough. And it's in these moments that God wants, us, God wants to meet us exactly where we are at. Kirsten kicked off facilitating the conversation around anxiety by looking at what it is and what the Bible says about it. And Katie did a fantastic job in not only sharing her story, but also some practical steps uh, and what she has learned in her experience with anxiety. And I encourage you just to keep connecting in with our stories and videos and, and to get in touch if you would like to be part of this discussion. As followers of Jesus, we have the potential to thrive and not just survive. And my hope and prayer for us in studying the book of Ephesians is that we can draw on these encouraging, spirit-filled, biblical truths of God's love together. We can be reassured that God wants more for us than just to simply make it through the day. He wants us to thrive, to enjoy, to be passionate, to be his hands and feet, and to live. And Hannah's already taken us through some powerful messages from Ephesians 1, where Paul explains the wonderful things that we have received through Christ. Between chapters 1 and 2, Paul affirms the nature of the church, the glorious fact that believers in Christ have been showered with God's kindness, chosen for greatness, marked with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit's power, freed from sin's curse and bondage, and brought near to God. As part of God's house, we stand with the prophets, Jews, Gentiles, and Christ himself. I'm going to pick it up um, in chapter 3, so if you've got your Bibles handy, um, then feel free to read along with me. When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles, as I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal 
it to previous generations, but now his spirit, he had, through his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honoured. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through the Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow deep down in sorry, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So the main point of Ephesians is about a fresh start, a reaffirmation of faith. And in chapter 3, I can see three main instructions and in how we can go about doing that. So faith is accepting God's plan and perfect timing acknowledging God's purpose and presence and acclaiming God through prayer and praise. So first of all, faith is accepting God's plan and perfect timing. In verses three to six, we see the revelation of God's mysterious plan. The plan wasn't revealed to previous generations because God wanted to keep something from his people, but because he would reveal it to everyone in his perfect timing. God's plan for salvation is through the church, which is a new body made up of believing Jews as well as believers from Gentile nations. The church now being a multi-ethnic kingdom whose only qualification for membership is faith in Christ. This plan couldn't be fully understood until Christ rose from the dead. And even still, many people do not understand God's plan but at the right time, he will bring us together to be with him forever. And to me, out of these three points of what faith is, this has got to be the hardest. 
I'm a problem solver by nature. Um, if something isn't working, then I'm going to want to try and fix it. I hate the unknown. And it's ironic that I'm even sharing this today as I'm currently struggling with my own situation that I've exhausted all human, physical and practical options. And the only thing I can do is accept God's plan in perfect timing. And in all honesty, if I wasn't preparing for the sermon this week, if I wasn't disciplined in spending time in God's word and in his presence and praying into what he wants to say this morning, then I would probably still be sobbing in my car, impersonating in all seriousness, joy from friends when he exclaims, why God, why? So going back to this book, my friend recommended by Jerry Bridges, he states that in order to trust God, we must always view our adverse circumstances through the eyes of faith, not sense. And in Romans 10, 17, we're told that faith comes from hearing the good news about Christ. And it's only through the scriptures applied to our hearts by the Holy Spirit that we receive the grace to trust God in difficult times. And we know from scriptures that God is completely sovereign, infinite in wisdom and perfect in love. And later in Romans 11 verse 33, it states how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge, how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. So let's have a quick look at how God exercises his sovereignty for his glory and for the good of his people. Paul, he was not the only person in the Bible who found himself in prison. In Genesis 40 and in chapter 41, we see that Joseph was left in prison for two years because Pharaoh's cupbearer forgot about him. The Roman governor Felix also left Paul in prison for two years. But Felix committed a totally unjust act because he wanted to grant favour to the Jews. So these two godly men were left to suffer in prison one because of deliberate injustice and the other because of inexcusable forgetfulness. However, both of their situations were under the sovereign control of an infinitely wise and loving God. God had promised Paul that he would preach the gospel in Rome, but he had to wait two years to endure his fate and he was subjected to long stretches of time during which he could do little but just trust God and wait for him to act. And few things test our patience and faith, like being forced to wait. Does it ever seem as if God has forgotten you? Have you desperately prayed but not seen his answer? I'm not sitting here asking this from a place of judgment, like I've got it all figured out. I'm right there navigating those moments of uncertainty. But I hold on to the truth that nothing is so small or trivial to escape the attention of God's sovereign control and nothing is so great to be beyond his power to control. The cupbearer had forgotten Joseph for two long years, but God had not. By God's design, Joseph was in the right place at the right time, and God used those events in his life to fulfill his purpose for the nation of Israel and for the redemption of the world. God waits until just the right time to accomplish far more than we can ask or imagine. His timing is perfect. So secondly, faith is acknowledging God's purpose and presence. And this type of faith enables us to see beyond uncertainties, fear, anxieties and things that we cannot control. 
Now, I like being in control, just ask Ali. Um, but faith means giving up control and believing God for a different outcome than the one that I'm presented with. And you may not want to straight away, straight away um, but there is a freedom and a confidence that comes with giving up control to God, which is what Proverbs 3, um, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 say. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Now, not some ways or some days, but always with all our ways. This means to admit the existence, the reality, the trustworthiness of God, to acknowledge him as Lord over our world and give him full access to our hearts. So it's in giving up control and trusting God for the right outcome in times of uncertainty that we will begin to thrive, believing that he has our best interests at heart. Also in Ephesians 3 verses 8-12, it states that because of Christ, that we can come boldly and confidently into God's presence. What an awesome privilege to be able to approach God with such freedom. By faith, we can enter directly into uh, God's presence through prayer. And I think this section is a reminder of the importance of taking it to God in prayer and just talking about you know, anything, everything to him. You know, he's waiting to hear from us. By seeking him during our personal pain, we can have a deeper personal relationship with him. And even when we feel like we don't deserve it, because Paul didn't think that he deserved it. He, he says for the second time in Ephesians 3 verse 8 that it, it, he's the least deserving of all God's people. He implies his unworthiness by stating it's through God's grace that he has the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the treasures available to them through Christ. But he's grateful for the opportunity and saw the ministry as an honour and a privilege. And it's important to recognise that we need to rely on God for the completion of such a great task. I loved Hannah's quote a couple of weeks ago where she said that there's power in an attitude of gratitude. And if you've got your Bibles handy, I'm just going to read from 1 Timothy 1 verse 12 to 14 which says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though I used to blaspheme in the name of Christ, in my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. What a reminder of our motivation and attitude in ministry. It's a gift from God. It's an opportunity to express our love to him. So finally, faith is acclaiming God through prayer and praise. And I just love this part of Ephesians 3. It's Paul's amen to the first three chapters of the book. And it really conveys the heart of the gospel. Some people refer to it as a doxology which literally translate to um, a word of glory. And in this example, it's not just about intellectual truth, but life-changing praise. Jesus says that true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So what does authentic worship look like for you? 
The Father's looking for those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. Even if that's a snotty, crying mess, driving home from work with Bethel music cranked up full volume. Often in scripture, people overcome fear, uncertainty and anxiety that comes with it through faith in Jesus and knowing that they are loved, which is what the Apostle Paul is praying for in Ephesians 3 verses 17 to 19. He says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So, in other words, faith combined with love is the solution to uncertainty and fear. And this prayer of praise ends this section of Ephesians. And I thought we could maybe have a go at modelling Paul's example of approaching God and asking God and adoring God together as we move into a time of ministry together. So I encourage you just to close your eyes. Uh, you're welcome to kneel or to lift your hands. Um, some kind of action that reveals a kind of mindful approach to God. So Father, I approach you knowing that you have blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. You've chosen us before the foundation of the world. You've predestined us for adoption. You've redeemed us through the blood of your Son. You've forgiven our sins. You are our Father who loves us in ways we will never fully understand. You know me by name. You know the names of everyone you have adopted to be part of your family. Father, I approach you knowing these things to be truly, fully true of you. It's because you are a loving Father that I can ask you, according to the riches of your glory, that you would strengthen us with power through your Spirit. And I just encourage you to take a moment to ask God for something on your heart, or maybe for a specific person, that they would be strengthened and know God's love take time to pray for that person or for a particular situation now. Thank you God, you are the one who has given us power to be strengthened internally and to know the love of Christ and to understand that love of Christ surpasses our understanding. We praise you, we honour you, glorify, worship, adore you yesterday, today and tomorrow, forever and ever, throughout all eternity. Amen.